The postseason episode. Yes, postseason, meaning it's it's over. Yes, that word works somehow. Um, I'm Nick Maxson, your host, as always, joined by Noah Grant, Max Veach, Marissa Voss, Drew Cove, and Ryan Stieg. Everybody, welcome in where everybody is now. Oh, and no, everybody's unbeaten. Isn't that great? <laughs> that was yeah. enthusiastic. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Hus- Hus- Huskies probably have the best record on the golf course now, too. Although St. Thomas might have them beat. but they've, Well, they've had a few extra rounds to play, so that's good. Yeah. Um, yes. So what we're going to do in today's episode is we're going to recap the Frozen Four, the semifinal matchups, plus the championship game. Yes, there's probably going to be tears on the ice, burning holes into the ice layers, and that's fine. Um, Let's start with semifinal number one. That's Minnesota State and the Gophers. Um, Drew looks very, very happy and ready to talk about this. Uh, So um, let's start with you, actually, Drew, because, I mean, this was a tough matchup. Uh, this was a matchup that I think Gophers fans, if you had to pick, was not the one you wanted. Uh, but ultimately, uh, it was the, uh, the Mavericks that uh, would win this game. What went wrong with the still the hottest team that was going into the tournament in this game? And, and why were they not able to get over the hump to the championship game? Yeah, it just turned into a lot of chasing and a lot of not being able to obviously enter the zone, um, as everyone could see there. I mean, the Mavs did, they executed their game to a T and absolutely um, just imposed their will on the Gophers. And that's something that uh, looked like they would have been able to get through based on their first two games in the regional. Um, but it turned out that the, they couldn't get it for that third game. But in it's funny, the last two games uh, that were kind of really, I mean, obviously really important for the Gophers. They score first and the, things are looking up. I mean, the Michigan game in the Big Ten Championship, it's like, oh, 30 seconds in. Wow, how about that? And then they get the early goal and you say, wow, maybe this will maybe this will stay close. I mean, I think almost all of us said this would be a 1-2, three, 3 2 kind of game. But, yeah, it kind of just got a, got away from them pretty fast. And, uh, and when, when you see guys like Ben Myers uh, – uh, a newly minted uh, forward for the Colorado Avalanche, Ben Myers. Uh, when you see him kind of just chasing the puck and not having it a lot and kind of being behind, he's usually one step ahead. And that's just kind of the, that's how indicative it was uh, that it wasn't going to be a good day for the Gophers. Let's go to Marissa. Um, you know, this was what we would call a classic maverick game uh completely clogging the neutral zone again not allowing entries in the defensive zone with possession this was a textbook uh maverick win and for those who uh look at minnesota state as you know the underdog the team that nobody knows about uh they put their stamp on the national scene in this game uh how do they do it um, just execution, playing who they are the entire game. When we get the fourth goal, usually, I'm going to say usually here, um, we're unstoppable, and that opens the floodgates a little bit for us because we contain that momentum, we grab that momentum through everything we do. And it really just was, you know, passing the puck, just being that deep team that we've been all year. We can go three to four lines deep, and that's where our sweet spot is. Usually, you know, first and second lines, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be the best line. But for us, it was always the third and fourth. So, you know, we played with depth. We played fast-paced game. Um, we really came strong at the Gophers. And um, 
I really think like it paid off pretty well, obviously. And then, um, you know, you had Reggie's wraparound goal that was beautiful. And from there, it just kept rock piling. So I think just staying to who we were really, really paid well against a good Gophers team. Let's be real. That team was very stacked. Obviously, Ben Myers, Hobie Baker, finals with Dryden McKay. So it wasn't like it was easy. But, um, you know, we just stayed to our identity. And I think that's what worked for us. Uh, no, I want to get your input on this because Justin Close was sort of the rallying cry for the Gophers uh, this season, right? It's kind of what essentially made a, a transition for this squad that really propelled them into this position in the first place. Uh, for maybe the casual Gopher fans who maybe didn't follow him this season until late and then saw the semifinal, uh, you could say that, okay, Justin let a couple of easy goals in those. Uh, one was a wraparound and another maybe a defect up, uh, deflected up of a skate and tight. Um, was there any really bearing on Justin Close or is it, was this Mavericks imposing their will and their game plan um, on Min- on Minnesota? Well, last time I checked, Justin Close, I, I'm, I mean, technically he can score goals, but pretty hard for him to do that, right? Registering 17 shots total for the Gophers in this game. I mean, you hold... Thanks for the expert analysis. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that, that's why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> you know, Matty Nye's two shots on goal, uh, you know, tied for second uh, in the team in that shot department. You, you hold all the big boys to one shot or fewer. Sammy Walker didn't even have a shot. You know, those are things that when you talk about what Minnesota State does well, we talked about how they can adjust to a high-scoring game, a low-scoring game, and they're able to control the pace uh, and essentially kind of let you work into their own game plan, so to speak. And the, like like uh, you mentioned with Marissa, it was a textbook game plan. I don't fall Justin Close on this one because even if he lets in a couple of, couple of ones that you have question marks, he was rock solid down the stretch all season, and he didn't have any run support in this hockey game. It was a textbook game by the Mavs. It is what it is. They led statistically in every category, face-offs, you name it. Um and Minnesota State deserved to win this hockey game. Minnesota looked like they had life early, especially with that first goal. And then Minnesota State did to the Gophers what Denver ended up ultimately kind of doing at the tail end of the next hockey game that Minnesota State had. So, Ryan, I'm, I'm curious as to what Rico Blasi had to say. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, Ryan, I mean, honestly, for, for the Gophers, I mean, it, almost an improbable run to get to that point. I mean, Early February, late January, we were having conversations with Drew that this team was a bubble team and, in fact, had things in the regular season gone a little bit differently. I don't think that they're even in the tournament. So for those who blame Justin Close, to those who go, you know what, that was not a great golden performance, he was really the reason that they got here in the first place, was it not? Well, I got to see Justin play um, when St. Thomas had their little exhibition game in South St. Paul. And I think that was the first time I really got to see him up close and in action. And he was, he was impressive. Yeah, it was an exhibition game, but he made some nice saves. And he, I think he made the statement saying, yeah, Jack is gone, but I can still be the guy. And I didn't get to watch a whole lot of Gophers games in the second half of the year, but the ones that I did, I was impressed with how he played. And I don't think Gophers fans should be blaming Justin for that loss. I think he was – left out to dry a lot of times in that game. And he just did the best he could against one of the best offenses in the country. And there's not a lot of teams that can keep up with Minnesota state or even try to shut down the Mavericks. So I think he did the very best he can. And overall, I think he was (laughs) maybe part of the reason they were able to keep it as close as they were able to keep it as close as it was. So I think Justin had a solid season and uh, he, you know, he, he deserves to be rewarded for that. I think. And then finally, uh, Sean Connery, 
I'd like to know your thoughts. Uh, I would say the Mavericks dominated that game pretty, pretty, pretty much from start to finish. The first period was close. I'll give it to both teams. They played a, a fantastic first period. That first goal was one of the prettiest ones I've seen all season. It's exactly what you want on a two on zero situation. Um, from there, the Mavericks used their size to just overpower um, the smaller, faster Minnesota team that was out there. Um, they were able to slow down what the, the two players that nobody else had a, a solution for earlier in the season and throughout the playoffs in uh, Myers and Nyes. And it was just, you know, textbook execution, as Marissa kind of alluded to before. It was the game plan all along, and and they they didn't really slip up anywhere. And I mean, you saw the the benefit that came out of it. So I, I would say that, you know, nobody on the team had anything that was really bad to say, other than obviously the the initial turnover that led to that first goal against them. But outside of that, I mean, it was pretty much flawless the rest of the way. Andrew, I kind of want to get your final comments on this game too, because I mean, you talk about how a team has to generate their own chances, generate their own luck. If it's not a turnover by Minnesota State that led to goal number one, there really wasn't a lot of grade A chances that the Gophers didn't generate themselves, which again was you know part of what they needed to do, and they really didn't have time or space to do so. So again, Minnesota State just suffocating the offense of the Gophers in that hockey game. Yeah, and kind of I was thinking after that first goal happened, you said, okay, they're lucky they got this one, but I mean, you, you look at it against Minnesota State all year. You say, okay, they're going to need one or two more of those kind of just blunders. Like you and like you can't just get a good shot off. You need to score on those chances just to to beat them. And obviously, they got the one, and and, and that was that was all she wrote. But I mean, they they would have needed uh, at least one more, I think, to to really stay in that game. And obviously, not uh, have some defensive lapses to to allow uh, some kind of wrap around and to allow one guy to kind of just snake behind the net uh the whole time without really being covered at all and give them all the time in the world so um a couple defensive lapses kind of kind of i guess accelerated the bleeding but uh yeah no they were going to need to take take every need to capitalize on every missed chance that minnesota state was going to have and you can't count two or three of those in a game and you got to get every one of them and uh the gophers didn't but uh uh yeah Better, better luck next year, I guess. Maybe, maybe it'll be a third times a charm for the Gophers uh, against Mankato in the in the in the tournament. Just maybe, uh, big question for the Gophers fans now is Maddie Nyes is scheduled to meet uh, Toronto Maple Leafs GM Kyle Dubas, I believe, next week after the holiday to determine what his future may hold, whether it's signing with Toronto or returning to college. Although it sounds like some reports are indicating he may return to Minnesota for his sophomore season, yet to wait and see. Guys, should we talk about uh, the team that missed a game versus the Pios? Or yeah, okay. Um, Noah, since you were chomping at the bit, uh, we'll start with you and your reaction to uh, the Wolverines uh, minus the Claws and then the, the Pios. Yeah, Denver. Uh, you want to talk about a textbook performance against one of the best teams in the country? And yes, Michigan is one of the best teams in the country, or was, I should say. Next year is going to look a lot different, I think, for them. Uh, thir- shots 33-21 for Denver, and I know I keep going back to the stat line, but who else but Carter Savoy to get that winner? He paced all skaters with eight shots on goal. The next closest was Nick Blankenberg on the other side on D for the Wolverines with four. Denver taking zero penalties in that hockey game, getting three power play opportunities. They did everything right against a team when you know that they're 
I don't want to call them top heavy, maybe offense heavy, so to speak, where they're a team that they're comfortable getting into a five or six goal hockey game, just run and gun style and limiting their chances. Uh, it was a defensive breakdown that ended up being the game winner for the Pios to send them to the national championship game. But before that, they took a very good Wolverines team and did exactly what we thought that they would do if they were going to have success, which was limit chances and keep a very young team kind of on edge a little bit and not feeling like they were too comfortable in any aspect of their game. And uh, you want to talk about classic hockey games. I think this is probably one of the best ones of the tournament. Marissa, you were in Boston again, uh, covering for Minnesota State. Uh, I imagine you were in the building watching this game. Uh, again, two great skilled teams on the ice together. Uh, but we kind of talked about it last week that Denver's depth and more so how they're able to defensively lock things down might pose a problem for Michigan. Did you see the same thing in this matchup? And uh, I guess what impressed you about either team in, in that game? Well, it was just interesting. So from our aspect, right, it, it delayed us because it went into overtime. Um, I knew it was going to be a really close game, but it, it impressed me a lot just because I didn't think Denver I, – I had Denver winning, but I didn't think they were actually going to win that game because Michigan is, like Noah said, the better team in this kind of matchup right now. I think everyone thought that Michigan was going to pull out. Um, it was just – a competitive, competitive game with two evenly matched teams going head to head to get to the biggest stage in college hockey. Um, but I thought Denver did everything correctly in every way they could because that's who they are. You saw that in the final game against Minnesota State. Um, they are have a lot. They had a lot of NHL drafters on there, and they're just a talented, talented team. So kudos to Denver because they did everything correct that they could. They couldn't have played a better hockey game against Michigan, and that's ultimately why they went on to do what they did and um but it was a cool environment just to be in there and watch watch the game obviously I was kind of wasn't watching it live I was right by our guys right because we had to at any drop of the hat I'd do socials and I'd do this so we were kind of by all the guys watching the game and seeing how it was going to play out but man it was it was great hockey it was fantastic but I'm kind of happy we um Denver came through and beat Michigan because I am an Ohio State fan so that was kind of nice because I do not like Michigan at all. Someone's got to remind me how to block somebody on Twitter. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> oh! I'm totally kidding. No, I'm totally kidding. He still hasn't uh, figured it out. The technology was way before his time. Exactly. I know, right? I'm still, know I don't know how to do stone tablets anyway. So, um, Max, uh, let's bring this to you. Uh, so, again, for Michigan, I think the plan, if you were going to win this, you had to have your offense clicking. Um, you were going to have to get through what was going to be a clogged neutral zone and, and a clogged defensive zone. Um, weren't able to really do it at will. They probably were used to in the Big Ten. Um, your thoughts on Michigan and more so maybe even thoughts on Denver and how they were able to really strangle the Wolverine offense that had been so potent up throughout the entire season. Yeah, watching Denver play in Loveland uh, the week prior there, the, the same thing they did to UMD is is what they executed just as well against Michigan there. They they just bullied them in the neutral zone. They played with what I felt like was a lot more intensity, which which really showed through in period three um, and two to some to some extents there. But when they were really putting it away, I mean, Michigan was already dead, and uh, I just didn't see any any will um, out of some of those guys at, at that point. And obviously, they wanted to to win, obviously, and just play a little bit harder. But they just didn't have it in the tank, and, and Denver took it out of them. The neutral zone was where they were making them go east-west rather than north-south like they had been all year. And then when they were in the defensive zone, Denver was pushing everything to the corners and just chipping it out when they needed to and controlling it on uh, on breakouts when they had the opportunity to. And it was a, a, 
a big big game from Magnus Corona as the number two Magnus Corona hater or number two goalie I was hating on all season. <laughs> I mean, he had a really great playoffs. Um, so to, to see that out of him, he really stepped up for that team. Having that size is probably something that uh, Michigan didn't play much against this year. A few smaller goalies in the Big Ten, um, but it was it was you know similar to how how Mankato played against Minnesota, Mich- or um, Denver really handled their business against Michigan in their game plan and, and executed very, very well. Very few slip ups from them. There was one here or there, but um, the, the coach got them back on track, did a really good job managing his players and keeping the, keeping the intensity high. Hey, SodaPod listeners, just want to give a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. They want to remind you that you can feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play for free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now or Daily Fantasy and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Drew, be, before the Gopher took the ice, this was the first game of the uh, the doubleheader there on the Thursday night. Uh, did you have a chance to watch this one? And if you did, uh, what impressed you about this hockey game? I didn't see the, the be- very beginning of it, but I saw the overtime. And man, was that, uh, was that some good hockey, I think, that we saw in overtime there. But mm-hmm. back and forth, and I mean, Michigan looked really, I mean, they were still able to get up the ice. It wasn't like the the Minnesota State, Minnesota type um, that we saw them clog up the zone so much. But Michigan came in and got some good chances. And uh, you know what? They got to give all the credit to Denver's goaltender. Like just he he stood in there and 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 faced. Uh, I think probably obviously the most talented forward group um, and the most explosive forward group in the country. I think so. It, it was a pretty uh, back and forth overtime. And you know what? When uh, we've all been become so jaded to NHL overtime being three on three and kind of a gimmick and kind of slow and just playing to tie and playing to get to the shootout or playing to the point. And it turns into a defensive thing. It's just, it, it's so nice to see real overtime. It's just like a real hockey game. And it was like exciting back and forth. And I mean, every, every 30 seconds, there was a chance going one way, then the other, then the other, then the other, and just so forth until obviously Denver won it. But it was just really impressive to see the them go toe to toe like that, um, and kind of, um, and not Denver necessarily playing uh, Michigan style, but uh, they kind of melded well together better than I, I think I might have thought uh, going into the matchup. Ryan, I want to get your final take on this matchup because I mean, as far as when Denver wins this hockey game, you you got to wonder as kind of Drew Cove alluded to when you were able to shut down the best offensive team in the entire country, talent wise. Um, you know, as far as how much NHL talent was on that roster. Now, again, uh, posts, a lot of them have signed contracts. Uh, you realize just how skilled this group was. Uh, do you think that that was a, a kind of a motive? Well, not a, but, you know, kind of a nice confidence boost to go into 
um, what was going to be a different style of the Mavericks going to throw at him, but just to realize that, hey, we can hang with anybody in the country. We can do this same thing against Michigan. I think so. Uh, you know, I was watching the uh, Frozen Four with my family, and I was pointing out that, you know, as fun as it is to watch, you know, really great offense, a lot of goals being scored, it's also just as fun watching really good defensive teams. Like when you saw Michigan get a rush up the ice, you just watch the Denver defense just converge and just at an angle and just cut off everything that they're trying to do. And it's like, that's, that's a fun, different style hockey to watch. And I really enjoyed that. And I think by beating a team as good as Michigan is, it's hard to find a really better confidence boost when you're playing a team just as good offensively the next night. If you can beat the team that maybe has more NHL caliber talent on its team, then you can definitely do the same to a team that's maybe more veteran based and has, you know, a little more consistency up and down the lineup. So it, they were fun to watch against Michigan. And I know it's disappointing to Maverick fans, but from a unbiased observer, I enjoyed watching Denver play that game because it was just against Mankato because it just their defense was so sound and they were able once they found an opening, they were able to take advantage of it. So I think beating Michigan that night was probably the best confidence boost you can have. A good transition as we go into the national championship game. And I think everybody in here um, was silently rooting for the Mavericks uh, for a Minnesota team to take this home. And for 45 minutes, they had this one in the books. Um, I think it's only fitting. We start with Marissa. Um, again, you were in attendance. Um, I, I just, I guess we figure might as well, you know, you know, open up the fire hydrants first before we try to clean it up. Um, <laughs> um, this was a tough one. Um, it, it seemed like again, Denver just, they banded, but didn't break. And uh, for Minnesota state, when there was, it seemed to me where, when they went up to one, the game was dramatically changed. And it's something that I think, you know, for myself, for Ryan, for others who watch this team, this was a reaction that we hadn't seen at all this season and didn't expect. Um, I don't know how else to characterize it, but this was something that was, I think, you know, again, to be fair, a bit of a disappointing outcome, just considering how it transpired. Yeah, I'm sorry if I get emotional. I literally cried my eyes out before the game was even over. Um, really, really emotional time for me and for the guys and just watching them heart, um, watching them break. You know, those those guys are my brothers. It was it was really hard. So um, if I crack up or need to pause in here, you'll know why. But really, 20 more minutes. That's everybody asked me. That's all I say is 20 more minutes, 20 more minutes. All we needed to do was play our game for 20 more minutes. But the thing about it is that we usually when we get the first goal like I said we're usually then boom we're in it then we get the second and the third but we didn't you know we couldn't create that offense even though we were out scoring out scoring them on shots on goal you know throughout the first two periods of play third period we were stunned stunned's a word I would use you know like Ryan said their defense Denver's defense is so good I think we got like one or two shots on goal in third period maybe that it was just unreal the way that Denver came came out and played, right? And, you know, I don't want to say this because I love my Mavericks and I love this team, but often in times you see at a big stage like this in any sport, there's two teams and there's two ways to play. You have one, the team isn't afraid to lose. They're going out it with their, you know, their pants are on fire kind of a deal. And the other one is afraid to lose. They play like they're afraid to lose. I thought Minnesota State was playing like they were afraid to lose the hockey game. When um, Denver tied it up, I honestly was like, 
F. You know, I was like, F. Then they got the second one, and I knew it was game over. I, I love my Mavs, and I have complete faith in them, but when you see a team like Denver roll like that and how good they are defensively and offensively, there's no stopping them no matter how, no matter the Hobie Baker um, award winner and net or, you know, multiple NHLers going in your, um, you know, your roster. There's, there's no beating that. It was one of the toughest games I've ever been to and especially ever worked. It was hard because you guys don't even understand how many Maverick fans were there. There was, we had our band there. We had our mascot. We had our cheerleaders. We had the entire Mankato community. Um, Denver didn't have their band there. They didn't have mascots. They didn't have cheerleaders. They didn't have as big of a section as we did. It felt like Mankato wanted it more from that standpoint. So it was really heartbreaking to see that. Um, but yeah, they, Denver is the better team, and they they outplayed us in the third period. And if we would have if we would have matched them and played better, we probably would have won. And that sucks. <laughs> No, I want to kick this to you because uh, unlike Marissa, Marissa, I know that you had mentioned you thought the game was over 2-1. I didn't think it was done yet. I do feel like, however, it was almost like a boxing match where you took a couple and you're stunned, right? But I didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was over. To me, no one, and I want to get your take on this, that third goal that Denver scored. Mm-hmm. That, to me, signaled a couple of things because a guy came off the bench, at least I think it was off a line change through the middle of the ice. He came across the width. He went for a big open ice hit. And as you and I both know on hockey, you have to get either the puck or the man. He got neither. And then it was an odd man rush that led to that third goal. To me, that's, in my opinion, what kind of possibly wrote the rest in the history books. I'm kind of curious as to if you agree with that or if you saw something else that we didn't catch in that matchup in that third period. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's actually kind of a, a, in an odd way, Marissa, I feel your pain a little bit. It's actually eerily similar to the same collision that St. Cloud state had last year, the second goal of the game against UMass last year. So um, a very weird hockey game. I, I think if, if you just looked at the box score, which not that I'm doing, but I happen to have it pulled up because you know me um, an interesting game, right? Shots That's brought to you by AWS. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Shots, shots, 18 to eight through the first two periods. Honestly, after the first two periods, I was so busy trying to order Max Vicha, Easton Brodzinski, Hartford Wolfpack Jersey <laughs> that, you know, I wasn't even paying attention. And it, it, you know, Denver's 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 ability to be opportunistic was on full display here. And that is what good teams do. They entered that hockey game with a plus 76 rating in goals for goals against differential. And the floodgates started to open. And Marissa is exactly right. Where When you're a team, St. Cloud kind of had the same sort of thing where they gave up the first goal against UMass, kind of a fluky bounce, whatever. They were playing fine. Then they give up the second one right before the end of the first period. And, hey, there's 40 minutes of hockey left. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. But suddenly it feels like this bigger mountain than it is, especially – your second Frozen Four in school history, your first ever national championship game. Eerily similar in a lot of respects. Denver, last championship in 2017. They've been there. They've had the skill level. They had a Hobie Baker finalist uh, on the other side shooting against the Hobie Baker winner. So you want to fight fire with fire. I just think it really did come down to that opportunistic piece. Ryan Barrow gets a greasy goal. I think Dryden would like to have that back. Mike Benning, good shot. Can't fault him on that one. But I have to agree with your point entirely, Nick, is that I think Minnesota State started to push back. Shots were 12 to 10, Denver in period number three. But then you get that backbreaker. You have a miscue in the middle of the ice, and suddenly, as Marissa said, you know, OF, right? You know, then you're like, okay, two goals. Two goals feels like a monumental mountain in a national championship game. Tack on a couple empty netters, and unfortunately, it – Denver was such a great hockey team this season that it's almost a shame 
and I don't think it would should detract from the fact of what an incredible journey it has been for this Maverick group. You know, in the past couple of years, their ability to turn, I don't want to say turn the program around, but finally find that success, finally get over the hump, find those new milestones. It's been a fantastic job for this crew, and, and I can't wait to see where that program continues. But hard-fought game by both teams, and Denver just used that uh, experience in terms of being in those games before for their, what was it, ninth championship in school history? Eighth, right? Eighth. No, Eighth. ninth. 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 Was that ninth? Yeah. Ninth. Ninth. I think it was ninth. ninth. Yes. Yeah. Tied with Michigan, if I recall, yeah. with the most in NCAA. They history. have more than North Dakota now, and that's the part the that matters. 10? Yes. Why, thank why you. Brian's going like this. <laughs> so, okay. no, actually, no, they're tied with this? North Dakota. Tied with North Dakota. Five. Okay. But there's four, and there's five. So math is hard. It's really hard. It's mostly the finger thing that's around me off. So be careful well, because Ryan Hartman's paying attention. Yeah. So <laughs> Nick, Nick, I, I will I will close my Hartford Wolfpack okay. shopping spree and I will look it up just to help you out. How does that Thank sound? Thank you. Uh yeah. while you're doing that, let's bring in Sean Connery yet again. Yes, Max Beach, I'm talking to you. Um, but honestly, you know, because you had the privilege of seeing some outstanding goaltending with Ryan Fante at UMD and for Dryden and McKay, you know, for Maverick fans who are out there, I think all of us in the room would agree, maybe one that Dryden wants back, but a lot, he was hung out to dry quite a bit, uh, you know, in this hockey game with the two that he was in net for, I should say. Yeah, I mean, what what ended up being a you know five to one game at the end really felt like it was a one maybe two goal game throughout the the duration of of the contest. There, it was a shame to see it end up with that final score because people that weren't watching weren't going to know the story that was actually told during the game there. So, um, yeah, Dryden McKay was was left out to dry a couple of times there, specifically on the the one that's been talked about in the the center ice mix up there, but couple other ones where it feels like there was a defender either out of place or over committing just because they had let up the the one goal and they were kind of chasing a little bit so it was just um a weird position to be in as a bulldog fan i mean it was kind of a win-win game for the first time not seeing them in the the frozen four or the final in, in a while it was um us sandlin was going to win one and a couple of hermantown guys and a minnesota school which was all going to be great or it was another NCHC school who UMD has beaten three times this year. And a Minnesota kid is the, the Hobie Baker finalist on that team leading the charge. So it was a, good, a lot of good representation and there was positives on both sides. From my standpoint, I can understand why some others wouldn't feel that way. But it was a, it was a great game. Um, I, I did like how it went down for you know the majority of the game, at least the first 40 minutes and probably another 10 into the next one was a really close contest. The last, you know, six to 10 minutes was where it kind of got out of hand and you kind of got that, that feeling of Minnesota sports kind of setting, setting in again. Um, it seemed like it was a little bit inevitable, which was unfortunate because that's just not how Mankato or Minnesota state played for the, the majority of the year. I mean, there was a couple of games that got away from them, but it didn't feel like there was any like this all year. And I think drew, you know, to kind of build off that point, I think that's what's so, shocking about how this game ended was, you know, Minnesota state had gone through hell and high water. Um, they had beaten great teams, you know, whether it was high scoring games or low scoring games that nothing really seemed to really rattle them throughout the entire season. And for whatever reason, those two goals in the national championship game, there seemed to be some visible, you know, their, their clocks were out of sync to, to put it lightly. And I think for those who watch this team, that's what was most surprising out of the conclusion of this game, would you happen to agree with that? Yeah, I think so. And obviously, like like everyone kind of mentioned, like this has just been 
it's been what a journey for this this program over the course of the last i mean you can say out 20 years too just going from uh and also ran not even division one to uh the class of all of college hockey i don't think this is a west versus east thing but i think they become the this team has become the template of how to win in the playoffs when you say okay you got to get more you got to get more mav like basically to get to to win in in the in the postseason in this league and it's, it's been like that for for years and obviously they've gotten there they've been ranked number one it, it's just it's it, it's kind of yeah disappointing to see that it kind of ends uh like that in such a uh a flurry there at the end of at the end of almost the very pinnacle of it um but i don't think this team is done i think that this is just this is still a building block and uh mike hastings knows how, re- how to recruit he knows how to build a very dominant team that's built to succeed at this at, at this time of year and i don't i don't think we have any reason to believe that that this team won't be back in a similar situation if we're the next I, I don't know how many years i mean when you have consistency in a program like that i mean it's just i mean at that point it's like it's like college football too where you see the blue bloods that constantly win minnesota states become one of the blue bloods of college hockey and it's in, and they deserve to be here and until until we don't see see them here at this at this level we're gonna have to expect that, that, they'll, that they'll continue to be back Ryan, and I think that, you know, kind of brings us to my my last point here about the the championship game is I think no matter how you slice it, Denver and Minnesota State were the two teams that were, I think, the best all season. Those were the two game, you know, teams that were, I think, deserved to be in the national championship game. Tough again that our Minnesota squad couldn't pull it off, but again, from a hockey perspective, great games all around by you know, all three games, both semifinals and the championship game, but to me, the, the Denver and Minnesota State were the two that deserved to be there, and they put on a heck of a showcase for college hockey. It was one of the championship games that I got most excited for. I mean, I look forward to every championship game, but just the caliber of teams, you know, Denver's so good on both ends, and you have Minnesota State it's so good at both ends. It just it felt like a heavyweight clash that so was just leading up to it, and it was finally going to be there. And it really came down to the third period, which is what I thought it was going to be. It ended up on the scoreboard, definitely not looking how I thought it was going to be, but it was tight to the end. It was great saves by both goaltenders. I mean, it was, it was the good culmination of the season as a whole. I think the right two teams were in the championship game. And uh, I know it was disappointing for Minnesota state, but it was like, it was until those two empty netters, it was a good game to end the, end the season on. And it, uh, it's unfortunate that the Mavericks weren't able to pull it off, but uh, I thought the game was great. And uh, I think it's a great way to end it. I think we'll, uh, we'll do one quick round table here for your MVP for Minnesota state that, uh, you know, for the end of the season to me, um, I'll just throw one in there. You know, I think a guy that really stood out to me in both the semifinal and the championship game, how about Jack McNeely? Uh, what a hell of a performance he put on from the back end. Honestly, uh, just how physically it was, his angles, the way that he was able to control and essentially shut down opposing forwards coming into the zone. I thought he had a phenomenal uh, frozen four tournament and, you know, you know, minus Dryden, who again wins a, a Hobie Baker award, uh, Magnus Corner getting, 
I guess technically the MVP off that Jack McNeely had Minnesota State pulled it off. He would have made a hell of a case for MVP uh, in those two games. Uh, Marissa, since you cover this team very closely, I'm kind of curious as to who you had picked um, as far as maybe your MVP of the tournament uh, for Minnesota State. Uh, tournament, not not sure yet, but I will want to. I want to shout out someone who did get injured on the Minnesota Minnesota game. Um, someone who has been in the lineup not recently at all. Maybe the last month he was in the lineup. Will Hillman played an absolutely amazing game. He was he was put in a position where he doesn't usually play, and he performed amazing. Fortunately, he got injured. Um, that's what I do think that kind of played into a little bit of what we saw versus Denver. So shout out to him. But overall, I mean, I think a big person that stood out to me um, during that time a lot of them, but Andre Pavel. Oh, that's what I was going with, man. Oh. So sorry. So sorry. Former um, Minotauro, man. Come on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> He's amazing. I would say he would probably be my MVP because um, he is great. He is just yeah. an overall great athlete. But you also have people like Brendan Furry, Angelina Provenick, and there's just too much to pick. But I would say I still know his there it's Andre Pavel yeah he was a big dog like the one that snuck up behind you in your bed yes um <laughs> Noah Grant uh yes uh you since Andre Pavel uh was taken do you have anybody else or do you want to stick with Andre Pavel because I'm sure you have Minotaro stats oh. pulled no. up well Andre Pavel scored arguably the biggest goal in Minotaro's history by the way and also speaking of goaltenders next year should Dryden McKay move on to greener pastures Akina Rancier potentially has a chance to take the pipes next year should be pretty good. Uh, um, Reggie Lutz is another guy that kind of maybe fits that bill a little bit. But one of the things when we were talking about Andre Pavel that I really like is, you know, he only played in 11 games last year, got in all the contests this year, plus 19 in the season. And I don't bring that statistic up just to, just to say it, but Andre Pavel is not a guy that when you think even top six for the Mavericks, you go, yep, Andre Pavel, that's our guy. He's kind of a middle six guy that really, especially later in the season, really started to find success, had good tournament success. But even before that, his game has developed in such the right way that when he came out of Minot, he he almost, the interesting story about Andre Pavel, Marissa, and I don't know if you know this, is that he actually was doing so poorly for the Taros his first season when head coach Marty Murray, who is now in Sioux Falls, was coaching him. He actually almost contemplating going back to U18. So he actually was pretty much going to give up on hockey. And Marty was like, you know what? Just stick it out. Just see what happens ended up going to Minnesota State, um, was kind of a raw player when he came out of the Minotauros, mm -hmm. kind of went through those growing pains in the first year, and now we're really starting to see that culmination, that blossoming of a player that really has developed into a primo guy for the Mavericks moving forward. So I think his entire story, in addition to his stat line, has been a really uh, incredible success. So you know what, Marissa? I'm right there with you. Yay. Drew Cove, anybody that impressed you the most? I think Ben Mass. I think. I think just generally kind of coming on the back end, uh, I think I, I still think back to that wraparound goal. He had so much um, against the Gophers, that is. Uh, I mean, the patience there to kind of be the hockey awareness in that play alone uh, really kind of it, it, it shows it shows how good of a player he is, how valuable, um, especially that goal was to get to Mankato back in that game. Um, especially after kind of had to have been a rattling <laughs> two on oh kind of misplay uh, for the Gophers to get up one oh. So, I think that have to be that have to be mine. And then uh, Max, uh, anybody for you that stuck out to you? 
I don't know if we're we're sticking with mostly Minnesota State players here or not. Um, Cole we'll pick a Duluth player. <laughs> yes, you, you can pick a you can pick a Denver Ryan player Fanty. if you like. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Ryan Fanty. <laughs> I, as much as I it's want too, to say it's it. too bad the Oilers can't call him up for the playoffs. I don't know. <laughs> um, Cole Gutman stuck out to me not only for his like astonishingly good looks and just being a, a general man rocket, but oh just God, on the ice. On he, was, <laughs> he was he was a player that stuck out a lot. He was getting a lot of opportunities and he put himself in those positions. Obviously, you've got Bobby Brink, the assist machine that was finding ways to find him open, but making sure that he was in the right spot, it, it did a lot. Um, Carter Savoy was Marshawn-esque in terms of how much he was able to get in the heads of some of the opposing players that was really playoff level opportunities and, and things like that, that he was kind of generating as well. And then I will say one nice thing about the, the Minnesota state players. And I thought they had an, an amazing team here. Um, but uh, Jake Livingstone actually got a shout out on the Chicklets podcast to somebody that, uh, really? caught, Oh yeah. He, he caught, um, caught some attention we'll say from some of the scouts uh, as well as some of the people on the program there. So it was Nice to see that there was people looking and saying that he deserves some some um, NHL level contract deals and, and future opportunities. Ryan, you are uh, the last person. So uh, what do you got? I don't know how I can top astonishingly good looks. Yeah, man, <laughs> rocket. What the hell? Well, have you seen yourself, Ryan? <laughs> um, but uh, if Max Veach's uh, contrast or exposure was always the same, and maybe I don't know. <laughs> Ryan's Ryan's new haircut looks really good, though. I got to be honest. It, honestly, it does. It really does. Well, well thanks, guys. Um, but uh, I guess on. Nathan Smith stands out to me a lot. I mean, he's the obvious one because you know he's Nathan Smith. in the NHL right yeah. now with the tryouts. But uh, um, Brendan Furry, soon to be Houston Eros, probably. Ooh, furry, yeah. But uh, I like Brendan Furry a lot. When I saw them for the first time when I went to Mankato, he looked really good against Northern Michigan. Um, and then I saw him again they play against St. Thomas. And, of course, during the tournament, he was just a very consistent player. Kind of like a, you know, he wasn't the big name guy like Nathan Smith or Julian Napravnik or all those kind of guys. He was just a guy who was consistent. And I think without him, you know, if, Minnesota State maybe wouldn't have been the consistent powerhouse that they were over the course of the year. I think he was a very essential piece. So that's probably what I would have gone with. I don't know how good his looks are, if they're truly <laughs> astonishing, but uh, he looked good on the ice. So he was astonishingly good looking while he was on the ice. So I'll put it that way. I think I mean the best the best the best person for for Mankato this year had to have been the CCHA review crew, right? Like, oh boy, <laughs> asking for a friend. Hey, you know you know what's interesting though? Does the does the bracket look any different uh, if Bemidji State wins that game? Just saying, asking for a friend. A different, or if Michigan, you know, plays Western. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, oh, I plead the fifth. I anyway, speaking of Michigan, Nick, fifth. are you going to announce my stats that I worked so hard on just for you? Oh yes. What stats? Um, are yeah, you not he, looking at the group chat? We've been roasting you for like an hour. I, it's yes. been great. Noah listed the national championships, who was the leaders. You oh, know, God. Denver and Michigan are nine <laughs> and nine each. North Dakota is eight. Wisconsin is six. And then BUBC and Minnesota all have five. So, yeah, what yes. Ryan said. A very useful Michigan, statistic. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and, then, and then Max promptly said ancient history. And I said, don't talk about Nick like that. Oh, well, nice, nice. It's, it's Had ancient. to put that in there a it, little bit, right on. I mean, 
it is what it is. So, um, <laughs> he is so sick of my crap. It's not even funny. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that if I breathe, I just don't exhale dust at this point. So <laughs> any, anyways, at this point, uh, guys, that's going to wrap up the season. Uh, I suppose, you know, culmination here on MNCAA. Uh, for those who are uh, going to be tuning into us, we do have a plan for the next couple of weeks. Uh, yes, you guys are hearing about this as well. We'll take each team one at a time. We'll discuss kind of a more of a, a full re season recap. We'll talk about uh, players who maybe have signed pro contracts, the players who maybe are coming back, and even more so players that were entering in the portal. So we'll do a team-by-team -team breakdown for you here on MNCAA. Noah Grant, this isn't a teacher room, but do you have something to say? Yeah, weren't we supposed to figure out who won the bracket challenge? Challenge and what the loser was supposed to do yeah so don't uh, you're keeping track of that right no <laughs> who was keeping track of that i feel like i was i'm pretty sure marissa won that who had, the, I, who, who had the worst max is smiling over there i so think I max like had the worst no way i, I had the best the worst. besides the only stuff like I, I, wrong was points. I was gonna be perfect until i wasn't so you know what you know what now that i mention it it's either nick or me to be honest i think <laughs> I don't wow. Think, no. I think we're both tied, actually, which is embarrassing. Hashtag Husky was warming house That's... podcast vibes. Oh, God. I think it's well, both us. Scratch what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah. We'll figure that out. We'll, we'll post that on social media um, as we uh, recap uh, everybody's brackets here. Uh, but yeah, so keep uh, keep tuned for uh, that schedule to come out. Uh, we're hoping also to add in some Bemidji State content as well mm -hmm. as uh, we need to get them incorporated. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, just, just to kind of make we, sure we're we covering can, all of our bases. We can always yeah. drop the Gophers for that, can't we? No. Oh, you can't leave Drew. <laughs> no. Drew, no. come on. No. can't leave Drew. Look at him. We can't do that. You can always leave me. I'll give He's you guys, got a you know, not so good luck. Yeah, right. I'd be fine with that too. So. <laughs> we need the better looking people and not people who are. Why am I? Know, so I'm going to be in every dinners. episode. Yeah. Why am I here? Okay. Yeah, because okay. we're still trying to connect with Alex McLeddy and his, uh, you know, high speed internet. Um, anyways, come on, uh, man. Do robots I, have looks? What's that? Do robots have looks? Is R two D two? What would you characterize him as? Well, I think the Dashing. beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it, Noah? I think some circuit board enthusiastic people would go crazy for R2-D2, but that's just Ooh, me. I'd go crazy for Alex. I like his hair. He's got the he's got the whole, I just got electrocuted and came out of a wind tunnel look. It's, it's amazing. It looks nice, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one to speak, but... I heard he was a stand-in for iRobot. Anyways, that's just my my inside sources. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that will do it for us here on number, uh, episode number 27 here at MNNCAA. Always catch us on Twitter, MN underscore NCAA. And we will see you folks next week. Thanks for joining us.